Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and this is my co-host Joey. Hey, how is it going? And today we're talking about Rat Race. Six identical keys. They all over the same locker. That's locker zero, zero, one. Inside the locker is a red duffel bag. Inside the red duffel bag is two million dollars. In cash, fifties and hundreds makes a pile about so big. First one there. Keeps it all. <laughs> oh, and I've put little transmitting uh, devices in your key ring so that I can keep track of you. And uh, that's it. Go. This is a 2001 American ensemble racing road trip comedy. Directed by Jerry Zucker. The cast includes Mr. Bean, Scuba Pudding Jr., Robot Chicken, Sister Dolores, Monty Python reference, Coneheads Highmaster, Jamie Palomino, and a bunch of actors who are best known for their role in Rat Race. I watched this movie on Amazon Prime Video. How did you watch it, Joey? I also watched it on Amazon Prime because I shell out to Jeff Bezos and I can watch this movie for free. Did you see that clip of him doing the Doc Ock impersonation with those robotic arms? <laughs> No. <laughs> he, what? he wasn't actually doing a Doc Ock impersonation, but they were testing, they were showing him this like uh, robotic arm technology where you put on these hands and then you, when you move your, like, you, you put on gloves on your hands and when you move them, these giant arms move in like what? at the same time. He's building an exoskeleton like? Yes. Like, like, like a, what, what's it called? A Gundam? And well, yes, and it was just arms. I don't know what the larger part of this is, mm. but he reached out and shook a person's hand using it, and it didn't crush them or anything. And it, he said he could feel like the response of their hand, what? even though yes. And the, the 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 what makes it interesting though is he started moving it around, and then he went like ha 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 like this very maniacal evil villain. And then he laugh. said, "The power of the sun in my hands." <laughs> He might as well have, you know, it was just such an evil villain scene. It was like, okay, so this is the beginning of the... And he like, looks like Lex Luthor. Exactly. Like he, and a lot of people already call him a villain. So it's, uh, it was pretty unnerving. It was on the same level as those dogs that are being, uh, not dogs, oh, but Boston like Boston Dynamics yes. uh, robots. Yes. I love those. Those are awesome. No, I love those because um, I saw this, I saw this like people were making fun of it. It's like people see the Boston dynamic, like dog robots. And they're like, Oh, so scary. And Boston dynamics actually does build like real, like robots. You should fear, but everyone's yes. scared of the dogs. <laughs> like that's, Oh my gosh, we have to stop them. And it's already way past that. But anyways, that's not what we're talking about here. Um, we did watch it on Amazon though. So if you have Amazon prime, you don't have to pay any extra money. You can just watch rat race. Uh, Joey, why don't you give us the synopsis for rat race? A whole bunch of folks show up to a Smash Mouth concert at the same time. That's right. Uh, let's get right into Rat Race by talking about our pros and cons. Joey, what did you like about Rat Race? Rat Race is funny. It's really funny. Um, it's got a really simple <laughs> premise. Fun callbacks and gags. It's funny without being mean, uh, which is unusual. Um, it's really it has some really elaborate setups that almost always work. It's a surprisingly, and it has a surprisingly solid message. What about you? 
Uh, I, I think that that's a good way to put it. Funny without being mean. It was lighthearted and fun the entire way through. Uh, didn't really have to feel guilty about much when you're laughing. Uh, it's I like the satire of the absurdly rich. And John Cleese is an amazing choice for being a really rich guy. Uh, I thought there were some pretty good stunts uh, done in this movie. Oh, yeah. And the ending makes it all worth it. This I... I I, I started crying how hard I was laughing when it was Smash Mouth. I could not <laughs> believe that. I should have seen it coming, seeing as this movie was made in 2001, and obviously they were going to have All-Star in it. But this movie only came out four months after Shrek. Yeah. So I, could, I was like, how did they know? That how did that they was- do that? <laughs> There's no way. How they- did Smash Mouth get into two movies and play their most iconic song in both of them? It's, oh, my God. I could not believe in it. In the same year. That made it all <laughs> worth it. And um, it really cements this movie as like a 2001 classic. So I thought the <laughs> ending was spectacular. Um, but let's talk about cons, what we didn't like. And for me... I thought this movie was a little too long. Um, I did feel like it dragged out a little bit. And I don't feel like they used that time effectively. And we'll talk a little Mm. bit more about that, especially in how well they define the characters. I felt, again, I liked the ensemble, but I didn't feel like I knew any of them particularly well. I also wish the racers had crossed paths more frequently before they reached their destinations. They did interact in, like kind of tangential very ways. indirectly yes yeah very indirectly and i wish that it had been a little bit more of a contest between the racers as opposed to just racers on a treacherous path you know they all ran into obstacles but i almost wish that it had been more like well i'm gonna stop you, you there are examples where like for instance when seth green and his his brother like stop the airport which also remember this movie did come out before 9-11 i was like (laughs) i don't think you'd be messing around at the airport in a movie made after that but um that i I, that was something i wish they had had done was included more scenes where the ensemble cast was together uh the i thought the dialogue was clunky and Mm. i i don't know like it's a it's a comedy they're not this isn't supposed to be poetic or anything but i i a lot of this stuff especially Especially at the beginning of this movie, I was like, oh, man, this movie is really cheesy. Um, There are some logical inconsistencies. I don't want to get too hung up on that. It's a comedy, but it was really hard to ignore at certain times. Um, And also some of the comedy doesn't age well, but you can pretty much say that about any comedy. It's not the most egregious like uh, offender in this way, but there were some things, especially like I don't get I've never understood why it's funny to mix up somebody's gender. Like, and that happens right. multiple times in this movie where they're like... Well, that's... I mean, yeah. Th- that's, like, the only example I think I can think of of comedy that doesn't age well in this movie, though. Because, like, I was surprised how funny it still is. Yeah. And I think it's, like... I think it's a testament to it. it that it was... Like, it's well-written in that way because it is still really funny. And I don't see that really changing because it's all just, like, situational, like, just, like, a lot of it's physical gags and stuff. Um, and it, it, it's like people being people. It's not like making fun of certain yeah. types of people. You know what I mean? Yes. And that's the only example. And even in, in like the, the kind of like misgendering thing, and even in those examples, it's not really clear what the joke is or who the punchline is on. Right. Yeah. Well, I just, like, like the, the one on the bus with all the Lucy's where like, 
It just felt totally unnecessary, especially because that was another logical inconsistency. The bathroom had already like exploded and filled the bus with like foam, and they come <laughs> back and it's fine. There's no more foam. Everything's clean. Yeah, and foam we're talking dissipates. about using the the toilet again, but there's no evidence. I don't know. Again, it's it's not the type of thing I want to cinema sins and like dig deep into. Um, right. But uh, I think you're right. I think that's the right way to look at it is is not to pinpoint the few things that didn't age well. It's more to take a look at it from the bigger picture and say most of this movie does age well. Yeah. And I don't think that joke is that I don't think that joke helps up at all anymore. But it but it, even in that situation, it's almost you could almost construe it as it's a joke on Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character mm-hmm. than it is on the person who is cross-dressing. Right. You know, so, yeah. Anyway, um, I agree. Ensemble movies can't develop their characters very much for the reasons you said. Like, there's just not enough time in a movie um, to do all of that for all these characters. And I and I completely agree with you. There, I wish there had been more more interaction between our characters, and I wish there had been more of a difference between our characters. Yeah, because a lot of them are very similar with uh, with like surface level, like one dimensional character traits. You know. Yes. Um, and I think that makes the ending that much more powerful in that, like, they're all kind of, like, I think the ending's message is mostly, like, we're all the same in a way, and we all are good, bad, and ugly. Um, and I think that's more powerful if there's a more stark difference between our characters throughout. I agree. And all, my last thing is, uh, are there rules to this game? Because it seems like there are rules, but I don't know what the rules are. He says that he says like there are no the only rule is there are no rules. But there was one rule which was that you had to be secret about it and you had to get to the thing first. You know what I mean? Well, technically you don't have to be secret about it. You they could, weren't secret. The about reason it is you want to be secret about it is just 2 million dollars in a locker and someone else might want to go steal it before you. So it's like you self-destruct if you just tell everybody about it, right? Yeah, but if you're like going to drag your family along with you, then why would you keep that a secret? You know what I mean? Uh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, okay. I thought it was more of a suggestion of discretion because you saw what happened to the the um what are the what are they, the Cody brothers when yes. they told the key guy, which was so. Imagine. I mean, it's you're telling <laughs> your you're saying, hey, don't talk about this where anyone can hear it, and you're saying it in front of someone who can hear you, like. Yeah, well, they they're like totally unself aware. That's they like were, part yeah, of their charm. They were, yeah, a couple of dunces. Um, but okay, so let, let's let's get into this, Joey. Let's get into the overall. Uh, go ahead. Okay, I I really like this movie. It's a really simple idea. Um, if you haven't got it so far, uh, <laughs> a, a, a rich guy put pits eight people against each other to see what they will do if they have a chance of winning two million dollars. It's a simple race from Las Vegas to Silver City, New Mexico. Whoever gets to a specific locker first wins the money and it's and it's eight people but six teams right which i thought was an interesting uh way to go about it but i liked it it gave us variety in their paths because some people like the difference between randy like dragging his family uh is totally different from cuba gooding jr being totally on his own so i thought i thought it was cool to have varying teams like that oh yeah and like they have i mean they have a bunch of different relationships there uh, too and people like get dragged along along the way because you meet people they meet people along the way and then they become part of the story too 
Um, yeah, so it's it's really silly and lighthearted. The characters uh, have this like, general oddness to them. Um, they set up so many of these gags and just hilarious bits. It's amazing. There's so many like perfect moments in this movie uh, with like Kathy Bates selling squirrels and then <laughs> and then like sending them into a trap when they don't buy the squirrels. That was so funny. Especially oh, yes, I loved the like this is a cliff reveal because they were like so happy that they were like, Oh my gosh. Right. That's and then the car is right. And then the groat is gone. And then they just, ah, <laughs> over the cliff. That was so good. Yeah. I love like, I'm going to, yeah, that was so funny. I loved Whoopi Goldberg. She is so amazing. Um, she's just so lovable. And like, she was always like, Ooh, a scam. Yeah. Like, what did she say? I have that written down. She says, um, a spectacular once in a lifetime opportunity awaits you. And, uh, that's all I know. What do you think? I think it's some sort of scam. Oh, good, a scam. We'll do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I loved her. Yes. Except for when she was choking out that one woman. The I, bus. I actually, well, I have something to say about that. We're going to do script doctors uh, later on all of the teams, and mm. we'll, we'll get into that. Okay. Yeah, but uh, there's so many great bits in this movie, and it's all really funny. I, I especially love the bus full of I Love Lucy uh, fans that were going to the I Love Lucy convention and how many just crazy physical gags happened while they were on the bus and every time something would happen they all go <laughs> so funny <laughs> uh, it's just really good uh, it just sets itself up so perfectly you know for something like that so anyway um, so this I, I think what's interesting about this movie is that in other comedies and road trip movies you often see the heroes succeed despite their disregard for decency or empathy. Like they're they're often like tough, ro- you know, roguish, cut to the chase types. Um, but they all have, you know, they always have a heart of gold and they're doing things for the right reasons. But that kind of justifies poor behavior. You know what I mean? Yes. I'm thinking like, like this is not a perfect example, but like what's his name in uh, in Dodgeball? Vince Vaughn's character. That's literally what I was went to my mind too. Is Dodgeball. Because he's like, he's like, he always a lovable scamp and everything, but he also doesn't pay his bills on time and like is defrauding his investors and, and like just like like being a lazy chump most of the time, even though he's like doing it for the right reasons and like giving people a break. But he's like, also, if he doesn't charge his customers, then his business will go under and they have nowhere to go except for Globo Gym. So like, you know, like think ahead a couple steps there, Vince Vaughn's character. But he's you know, but you, you can't help but love him. Well, and he time. also doesn't have to resolve any of that to be successful in the film. To, to That's resolve exactly the plot. Right. That's right. And, and and by the end he wins, and all of that bad behavior is justified. Um, but but in this movie, no one really succeeds. Some sure some of our cast gets the grill, but the stated <laughs> reason for the journey, the giant pot at the end, is out of reach. And all the sabotage, lying, and general chaos that they cause isn't justified. Ultimately, a more powerful force prevails. And that force is humanity's capacity to think outside of themselves and help others who are in need. And I've got a quote to illustrate that. And this is from the, uh, um, the guy who works for Feed the World or something. And he's like talking about the kids and the organization. He says, tonight, we've given these kids and their brothers and sisters all over the world more than money. You've given them their back their faith, their faith in the goodness of people. Which is, of course, ironic because it was clearly never their intention to do this. But they end up doing it anyway. Instead of taking money they didn't really earn, they take the recognition that they didn't really earn. But it's fine because at least the money went to a noble cause. The, the twist, I think, here is really good 
because it recontextualizes the whole film. Instead of one of these flawed, greedy people getting the money, they all lose in a way, but they also kind of win, right? Yeah. Right? I thought it was... I, I mean, I liked that twist. It, I definitely didn't see it coming, especially with oh, yeah. how bad everyone had to be to get to where they were. Uh, but I thought it was a good resolution for the rat race. Absolutely. Because, again, like, they're not... They're doing it... They're doing all these things for kind of personal, greedy reasons. And then they... When it comes down to it, they end up doing, like, the noble thing instead. And, like, all of the stuff they had done before, like, doesn't justify that. I think that's exactly the kind of message you want to send in a movie like this but okay there's another version of this movie that's much much darker and that maybe better represents the quote-unquote rat race as it exists in our world today what if instead of regular middle class to upper class upper middle class people you had someone who was really wealthy like owned their own private golf stream wealthy and on the other side, you also had someone who really needed the money. Like they were going to lose their family's home or get killed by the mob or were trying to pay for some expensive surgery, you know, something a little too real for a lighthearted road trip comedy. But and what if the wealthy guy just makes it to the money easily because he was he has a fleet of private cars or some sort of special plane, doesn't share it with anyone else because he quote unquote he he won it fair and square and everyone else is just left in the dust. As is it's not really a big deal that none of these people get the money. They will be fine without it. Some may even be better off because of the events in this movie. Right, like, the, guy, of, like the guys who got the grill. Right, yeah. Uh, which sort of uh, ruins the premise in a way because the whole idea is that these people are desperate and willing to do anything. And this is a quote from John Cleese's character uh, talking about uh, the kind of the purpose of this race in a way. He's talking to his, uh, his, uh, his uh, casino buddies, the rich guys that are there to bet on weird stuff. He says, and they're off. <laughs> no one, gentlemen, no one is offering you action like this. A horse race with animals that can think and plan and lie and cheat and play dirty. <laughs> it's the gambling experience of a lifetime. And it's my way of saying, I understand men like you. I know what you want. I know what you need. This casino, my casino. Is where you belong. Evil John Cleese is thinking too small here. Ultimately, these people are going to be fine. And they are going to be well off if they win. Uh, it's too much of a carrot, not much of a stick. You need to see all of these guys being stupid. Like, you need to see all of these guys betting on stupid things all, like, all the rest of the day. But they ultimately seem boring and harmless compared to the depths that they could go. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, the, like, the race started off with all of them kind of even deciding if they were going to take part in this race. It would have been right. way more compelling if there were people who were kind of forced into the race. Yes. Um, like the, the people who are racing are eager, but they're not desperate. And they, it could have gotten way, way more intense, right? Um, but that, of course, that's not the point. This is a lighthearted yeah. comedy that's supposed to reflect how the super rich play off of each other for their own profit and amusement. So <laughs> I'm right there with you. I'm glad that you, you said that because that was my that's kind of what I was looking for when I came into this movie. Um, like I thought I was hoping this movie would be a commentary on late stage capitalism where it contrasts the eccentricities of the rich with the struggles of the working class. Um, I think that this movie does have something to that effect about good people doing like bad things uh, because they're desperate for money. But at the end of the day, they are like deep down. 
they're truly good people who do the right, right. thing when given the chance. Um, this is fine, but you know, like we're saying, I wish this could have been a little bit more emphasized. Uh, but I did think, you know, something along that line is, uh, you know, a criticism of, you know, the hyper rich, which they definitely included in this movie, which I thought was really funny. Uh, it's it's great to poke fun at how ludicrously rich these guys are, uh, especially because it was like a multicultural crowd. So it wasn't even just poking fun at like the uh, American elite. It was right. It was like the global elite. And I just want to I just want to rattle off what they gamble on in this movie. because It's pretty <laughs> funny. Of course, they they gamble on who's going to win the rat race. But then they also gamble on what flavor each assorted chocolate is. Uh, uh, then they yes. also they also gamble <laughs> on how much the hooker would charge for that ridiculous like sexual request. And what was it? It was uh they they want to get naked, get into a, a jacuzzi full of Pepno Bismol. Yep. Which like how how much Pepno Bismol would that be? And be Pepto like, Bismol is like, not as it's definitely thicker than water. So I yeah. wonder how a jacuzzi would handle that. So they as, come like, in little bottles like. It'd probably need three thousand dollars just to buy that much Pepno Bismol, <laughs> and then, and, and then, then he like, wanted to clip her toenails, their, right? And she wanted her to shave his ass. Yes, that's it. And uh, yeah. yeah, I'm not really familiar with like these kinds of requests, but I wonder how weird that is actually compared to some other requests that come through. Like <laughs> she seemed like she was pretty quick on it. She's like, eh, $3,000. She calculated that pretty quick. Uh, but then the last one was they were uh, gambling. Well, actually, no, no, there's two more. They were gambling on how long these maids could hold on to the curtain rod, which that <laughs> one felt a little dark. Like that one felt a little bit more like what I was hoping this movie would be. And then they also gambled on who would barf first when they intentionally had turbulence on their flight. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, that would actually make me like them more. Though. I think that was funny. Like it's like a, it's almost like a drinking yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Kind of I feel like yeah, those were those were fun, and, you know. And it's like oh, these are these guys are so silly. But like, I don't know. Like, is that really the spice that you're going for? You know, like if you're super rich, like you can you can come up with anything to bet on. Like you got to do something a little more dark, something with a little more stakes to it. You know what I mean? Well, I think make, making forcing someone to throw up has stakes, you know, especially yeah, but it was of their own party, you know, if they had done it to somebody else. Then right, that would right, be, right, right. Exactly. You know? I see what you mean. Well, I mean, that's the thing with the maids was ma forcing them to hang from the was from the um, uh, curtain rod is. Pretty... Yeah, but like, you know, what did they get out of it? You know what I mean? Like they could just let go at any point. It's not like like what's what's the harm here? I guess sure, it's not sure. like they're crucifying themselves. Sure, definitely. But I mean, it's forcing someone to do something like, I don't know, hanging like that. I haven't done it since gym class, but it's not fun. Sure. <laughs> uh, but I see what you mean. Like, yeah, it could have definitely gone to a darker place. And that's where I was hoping this movie would go. Um, like, it felt like all of the people in this race were participating because they wanted to, not because they had to. And um, that's not like the real American rat race where <laughs> everybody's out there doing it because they have to or else they're gonna not going to be able to stay above water. So, um, like, I... I I like the concept for this movie, but I was, if I'm being completely honest, I was a little disappointed. I've been waiting to see this movie for a long time, <laughs> and um, I'm not sure, I don't know, I guess my expectations, I think, got the better of me. Um, 
because I, I thought this movie was going to be a lot more structured. Uh, but it, to me, it came across as a series of random events happen, happening in parallel. And ultimately, most of them didn't matter since everyone showed up at the finish line at the exact same time and they didn't change that much on their way there. There's definitely some examples of character growth. But for the most part, it was just kind of like it was funny, but they were just kind of going through the motions. Mm. I, I also felt like as far as structure goes, like who chose these people? Why them specifically? Was it well, was at random? It was at random because John Cleese. Yeah, I know he says like, well, it came through the the slot machines, but John Cleese knew everything about them once they got into that room, you know, and that was right after they got it. So I wonder if it was him pulling the strings and being like, I'm going to get these people, or if it was truly random. And if that's the case, that's fine. But it could have been cool if he was like. I chose these people specifically because it will make the best race, you know, Right. or this is, you know, a microcosm of the American rat race or something like that. But instead it's just kind of random. Um, again, I do like the people they chose, but it kind of felt nebulous as to why these specific people were there. Um, yeah. There's an opportunity there to like ditch the kind of high concept uh, that you're starting with and have a twist that they're, they all are connected in some yes. way, you know, um, and, and like have it be like John Cleese is pulling the strings on some elaborate, like societal, like, a like, uh, uh, what's it called? A social experiment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. So like, it's a, I don't know. There, there's, there's definitely a lot of opportunity there to have the characters have more depth to them, um, and have them interact with each other, even if it was like backstory, um, in a way. Uh, which would have been would have been cool. Yeah, and, and again, like I, I understand, like this movie was aiming to do one thing, and I think that they succeed in making a lighthearted comedy. But um, I, I still, I want more, and that, and I think I can express, you know, kind of what I want. Um, but one thing I do want to praise this movie for was the opening uh, credits. Like that art style that it was used to promote the movie. I love it. Uh, I, I actually vividly remember going to the movies in 2001. Maybe it was to see Shrek. And I saw the posters for this movie everywhere. And I was, it really stuck with me for some reason. Just, it kind of looks like jib jab, you know, those internet videos yeah. where you can upload a photo. And uh, I just, I, it stuck with me. And um, I think that poster art is one of my favorite things about this, this movie overall. Um, but, you know, overall, I just felt like this movie just, it was funny, but it, it wasn't like over the top funny for me. Like it wasn't super memorable. Um, you know, there were bits that were good. Like, for instance, Randy's Nazi like <laughs> speech. Oh, my gosh. The World War II veterans. The freaking Barbie Museum. That was so <laughs> funny. The Klaus Barbie or something. Yeah. And then they have, how many guys do they have working in that museum that nobody visits? I tell, yeah, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's just a destination kind of thing. They had two, like, like, chore, like, like, curators or something, like two guys leading the, the uh, tour. Um, and then, like, two guys behind them. And then a guy working at, like, the gift shop, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> I read, I mean, one of the IM, or, uh, Amazon, like, uh, trivia things that popped up was apparently the two tour guides were two guys who tried out for the one role, but they were both so good that they split into two characters and oh my uh, God. just to keep them both in there. I thought they were both good. Uh, but okay. So one of the things I want to do with this movie that I think is uh, easy is, is to try to connect the dots and 
make like some edits that would make this movie a little bit more compelling that i think it can okay. make it more compelling the one danger here is like this would probably be a really long movie if we did all the things we're about to talk about but i think it's a fun exercise uh and we'll do it team by team and i want to start with Dwayne and blaine cody which was uh seth green and his Bro- his brother with the terrible speech impediment at the beginning because he had pierced his tongue himself. He pierced his own tongue. Yes. V- uh, Vince uh, Vilof? Yes. So they're introduced as basically a piercing enthusiast and a scammer, and that's pretty much who they are the whole movie. Um, <laughs> and, but I wanted to get to know them better, you know? It would have been nice. Like, one of the things I think is obvious, like, you could obviously try to get in there is, like, if... Dwayne is like the more alpha of the brothers and he's always trying to scam people and Blaine goes along with it but Blaine has like a kind heart and he actually wants to uh get his brother to stop being that way and then that would lead to the decision at the end where Blaine convinces Dwayne to donate all the money um and it could it could even have something to do with like getting grills you know it's like well this girls will like if you're you know a nice person and generous and not a scam artist or something like that um but i did think that their physical comedy was one of the best parts of this movie like the air traffic control antenna scene was hilarious uh i don't know how much of it was stunts but a lot of it was definitely seth green hanging in a car uh then the hot air balloon (laughs) cow scene was ridiculous and the slow motion portion of the monster truck scene those are all hot, like oh big my highlights. gosh that was so funny yeah. <laughs> they're trying, <laughs> trying to get, to get out, out of the car, car. <laughs> oh that was so good i love watching these two oh, scream so in terror there was so many moments in this movie where a car crashes through a yes. wall and into like a new situation There's, like that was <laughs> those are bits that came through so many times in this movie it was crashing through a wall and like falling off a cliff it was like watching yes. a cartoon which actually goes really well with the art style at the beginning of the movie oh yeah no it's definitely no it sets up the tone perfectly and i think the dialogue does too like it is it is very consistent with its tone um yeah i think the because the ending when he's when when uh what's his name Dwayne, i guess is says uh no blaine blaine says i'm gonna uh like you should give up the money because that's what mom would want yes. right? like assuming that their mom is dead or something um that would have been like very that would have been more compelling if they had set that up earlier definitely um, to, to have that pay off but um no i think yeah it, i agree like the physical comedy for them is just so good and it's so funny when they don't like when they lose because they're like they're probably the worst ones so when that uh <laughs> when the uh the key copier uh steals their key uh you're just like yeah you deserve it <laughs> <laughs> i um but yeah you see what i mean like there are there are things in there where it's like maybe they intended on actually developing yeah, maybe there's their a cut more. you know yeah. Well, actually, I, I mean, a lot of the trivia in this movie was like, this scene was cut. Like, mm-hmm. this WWE superstar was in this movie, but his scene was cut. So, um, you know, you, you got to... Editing happens. Like, you don't want this movie to drag on forever. But I think there was there was definitely things you could connect to make the characters more compelling. And I want to continue with Whoopi Goldberg and her daughter. Um, and at the beginning of the movie like i thought this was going to be relevant <laughs> that the daughter yeah. owns her own cosmetic company her life is kind of crazy right now she's super busy very stressed not sleeping well and then Whoopi goldberg comes in here she's loving she's open-minded she has her own personal psychic you know so she's kind <laughs> Which of she out gave there. all her money to <laughs> right like she's she's like you know what her daughter is very 
in the material world, very practical and mm -hmm. business oriented where Whoopi is more, you know, just free and, and just living her life. Right. And she's very uh, nice and not stressed. Right. So they're definitely polar opposites. That's interesting. How are they going to get along? Especially because it's her estranged daughter. Right. So we get to see them kind of build their relationship from nothing. Um, but it feels like this is only used to set up the reason they're together in Vegas. And then it never comes back. Right. After that, they're just two black ladies. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter if it's a mother and daughter. It doesn't really seem to be relevant. No, it's uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. That is such a big missed opportunity to have them connect better as characters. I mean, half the movie, they're stumbling around dazed, you know? Yes. Which is like, you know, that's a waste of Whoopi Goldberg. For sure. Like, you're like, you're, you, you have this, yeah, you set up this such like a compelling thing where like, oh, like they're meeting for the first time, but they're so different, you know? And obviously they want to have a connection, but how are they going to make this work when, uh, you know, and maybe one could learn from the other about what's going on. And you kind of see a hint of that when the one, uh, the, the, the daughter has like a charter plane or something. Right. And you're like, oh, you know, this is kind of like a benefit of yeah. like of her being so materialistic or whatever. And then later on, we're going to see how Whoopi Goldberg's like open mindedness led to them having success later. And now they're learning from each other. And that doesn't really happen. Instead, like you instead you get Kathy Bates with squirrels, which is amazing. One of my favorite parts of this you whole movie. You can still have that. You know? <laughs> but but still, it, like, yeah, I would have loved to see them them influence each other. Where like Whoopi like fi helps her daughter find a way to de stress and enjoy life more. Like they have a common goal; they want to win the race. But yeah. along the way, maybe Whoopi could convince her daughters like, "Well, this is just the, like the real two million dollars is the friends you made along the way." Exactly. You know, that kind of idea, <laughs> uh, which could really work to help de stress her. But then you don't totally delegitimize the daughter's uh, way of life. You give it's like sometimes you got to do things the hard way sometimes you just have to grind it out and like force things to be your way which happens Whoopi, who's been nice the whole movie suddenly turns hella violent yeah. uh, in the bus choking this lady out and pushing her out of the way because that's they need to get off the bus right that could have been a moment where she's like well i guess it runs in the family because at the beginning of the movie the daughter did a very violent type of thing too where she crushed the cell phone in her hand which i was like <laughs> whoa that is way that you are really unhinged if that's like you own a bunch of phones you're just so for this moment smashing them yeah instead of hanging up you're crushing them in your hand exactly so it's the pieces are all there you just needed to connect them and that could have made their storyline a lot more compelling as it stands it was fun because they were funny and Whoopi goldberg is great but you know at the end of the movie it doesn't even matter what their relationship is you know it's totally yeah. an afterthought so okay so that's Whoopi goldberg and her daughter let's move on to randy and the family which having a like dad with his, like towing his family around hilarious to include in a race like this i think that was a great choice uh, but i would have loved to see the family and randy have some sort of arc he arrives in vegas and immediately distances himself with his family so it's clear they don't have the best relationship that's a great place to start yep. then randy could have dragged his family like what could have happened is randy could drag his family along like he did um but then eventually leveled with them to tell them why he's doing this and then they could have like teamed up with them and yes. like found a way to work together. So Randy would realize I shouldn't have deceived them. We could have gotten there so much faster if we were just on the same team the whole time. Right. My, like, 
my kids want two million dollars too. Like, yeah, yeah, they? they're, we're, they're my kids. Like, we're all gonna have the similar goals. And like, if I tell them, oh, I'm excited about this two million dollars I might win because of a race, right. they're gonna be like, yeah, let's do it. You know? Yeah. And like, here's what we could do. This is how we could do it. Here's some great ideas, Dad. Yeah. And like, I'll like, use this. I've been studying karate or something, and that's yes. gonna become useful later. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's like maybe if I like Randy is like my family doesn't even suck. It, it maybe if I would just put some effort in and try to connect with them, then we could have an amazing family. Um, so instead what happens is he levels with them they want to quit so he drugs them yes and then, it, the arc that randy <laughs> takes is he just gets worse yes he he drugs them and when the family wakes up they don't even care that they were drugged and they just go along with randy like nothing happened and at the end of the movie like they walk away like it doesn't matter what even happened. They just walk away as a family still. What could have, what we could have had is at the end of the movie, they walk away with a better family relationship. Right. The real $2 million was that we grew <laughs> closer together as a family. You know? Like it's, it, it right. was all and there. That's, and that's so subversive because the point, like the, the idea of a rat race is that it's so dehumanizing, right? Yes. And it turns everyone into like cogs in a machine and turns you against uh, your fellow man. Yes. For people to make connections along the way, like, is something that you could see John Cleese being like, these people are getting along better than I expected. Like, I hate this. Like, I want yeah, them, this to, isn't I want them to be hating drama. each other at each other's throats, yeah. you know? They can't be getting along. Yeah, yes. yeah. I, see, it's, <laughs> it's right there. Um, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Now we're, let's talk about Nick and Tracy. So Nick was the attorney and Tracy was the pilot. And let me just say, isn't it great when successful, attractive people find each other? Can't we just? I, are we all so happy? Tracy when that was happens? amazing. <laughs> when she when she tortures her boyfriend with a helicopter, I was that was amazing. That was the best. That was thing a great ever. scene. <laughs> it was way more. It went zero to one hundred very quickly. Um, when he try when the boyfriend tries to push the other girl under the water, like to hide her, like that's not gonna help. <laughs> <laughs> and then he like i thought it was an odd decision that like when your ex-girlfriend is dropping heavy objects on your truck to get in the truck right <laughs> i mean i guess maybe he's trying to protect it but where can you go that a helicopter can't yeah exactly um especially in the middle of that new was mexico awesome. um we just broke 115 federal laws <laughs> right well okay so, so nick he starts out as this guy who is so cautious that he won't even stay for an entire bachelor party because of the liability. He thinks it might come back to bite him in his career later. But he transforms into a more spontaneous person when he starts spending time with Tracy. Good. Here we go. We're a dynamic character here. Mm. Uh, and he really makes that leap all at once when the helicopter crashes and he decides to go with Tracy, calling it the first illegal thing I've done in my life. And that's great. But I kind of wish that this had taken a little longer and been you know, more of a series of events because after that, he's pretty much on board with it. Even if he is kind of reluctant to do things like siphon gas from a police officer's car, which come on. Like, <laughs> um, but basically after that scene, it's, they're just eye candy together and an excuse for the audience to watch some kissing. Um, and I kind of wish that that had, that had been a little bit more drawn out mm. so that his transition to this reckless maverick uh was more it was more of a decision and less of a oh crap the cops are coming for me right now i either stay in the helicopter and deal with that or potentially escape with tracy which is what he ended up doing he didn't face any legal repercussions because he left not because he stayed yeah but here i got a quote for this all right uh mm -hmm. it, it, 
Nick says later to Tracy after he's explaining the race to her, he says, My grandfather used to say good things take time. Great things happen all at once. Which I think is, yeah, it's an interesting bit of philosophy from this movie. Um, but, I, I mean, you can say that that's, what, that's the decision he's making at that moment. When he's like, oh, like, I could sit here and contemplate what I had to go. Or I could take a leap of faith, you know, and maybe this is something great that's all happening at once. You know what I mean? Okay. Did you, like, so, you, I don't know, like, I'm not a philosopher, but I felt like that quote was, like, kind of vapid. I was like, It's like a seize the day kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you have to work for good things in your life, but, like, wait for opportunities. Like, be open to new opportunities because those can okay. change everything like all at once. Strike while the iron's hot kind of. Well, uh, it's like opportunity. Like, luck is preparation plus opportunity right okay you know yeah, what i mean yeah. and and it's like it really is like a carpe diem thing like you gotta like if it's if it's here take it you know what i mean like go after it if if, if it's right there yeah. in front of you so i no, it's like it's, it's something i haven't heard expressed before and it is like i don't know how much it really holds up but it's kind of a cool saying it is it definitely sounds good but uh but that's basically what i have for them i mean it was his his arc was always to go from no gf to hot like pilot <laughs> gf so he definitely accomplished that yeah but he's also uh, the most developed character in this story and he's sort of the main character he's who you start with he's kind of emphasized because he walks in late and everything he has more speaking lines than anyone else he's he's kind of our main character even though he's kind of the most bland one Definitely. I, I totally agree with that. He's like the stand in for the audience. He's the guy that you can empathize with. Mm. And, you know, um, just well, it, it's just be like, OK, good. I'm glad the good stuff is happening to him. You know, uh, even though some bad stuff happens, he generally ends up fine for the majority of the movie. Um, but let's talk about Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh, and this is one where I really felt like they didn't think it very far like he starts out as this famous referee who screwed up the big game and that was like his he entire identity he's the very coin famous. toss <laughs> that's so funny to me <laughs> which okay and here's the thing if you're going to make a referee character who blew a call i think the coin toss is a great way to simplify it so non-sports fans can understand it because it's like he threw the like he threw a flag for offsides and it's like right, right, I don't know right. what that is. Like how is? But like blowing a uh, even though blowing the uh, offsides call could be just as boneheaded as blowing the coin flip. It's so easy to understand. I thought it was a great idea for a character. I've never heard of a referee like that as a character in a movie. It's you know? well, yeah, but he totally exists though because people out there hate referees for weird reasons. Oh, yeah. You know, and like the coin toss is such a funny thing because it's like how could you possibly screw it up <laughs> you know so like it makes sense like it does you're right it brings you into that sports world it's like like when you're watching a game and a referee makes a terrible call you're like how is this possible that this guy exists yes. and like yes. <laughs> and here he is like <laughs> it's so funny it's so but, funny because his his react like, you see the clip of what he does because he like he, he like fr he, he freaks out because like he called the wrong thing and he starts yelling at everyone you know it's not even like oh sorry i messed it up whatever it's like he doubles down on his mistake then later on he's trying to justify it to people at the bar he's like look it's everything's for flipping quarters these are commemorative coins you don't know what's on either side you know 
It's um apparently it was based on a real life referee, but I couldn't find the evidence. I saw that in the uh. trivia, but it didn't say specifically what the event was. Although I did the most ridiculous NFL flip I can think of was there was one time in an NFL game where they flipped the coin, but it just went straight up and then straight down without flipping. <laughs> Both teams were like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! What are you doing?" Like, but they reflipped it. Has anyway. it ever got stuck in the ground sideways? I have never seen that, um, but you know maybe they flip coins every game, so there's enough. Ground could be soft uh, iterations, but 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 okay. Let's get back to Cuba Gooding Jr. Okay, it would have been cool if that fame was kind of the theme for his character throughout. It was definitely at the beginning, and it really heavily influences what happens to him at the very beginning with the taxi driver. But it would have been cool for his exploits in this film to somehow undo or replace that fame with something else. Mm. If they built on the fact that he was a referee uh, and then he ends up being famous for something else and maybe overlapping or, or overriding his notoriety so he comes out on top or at least changes the situation. What I thought was going to happen was he was going to love driving the bus and he was going to say, this is what I should be doing instead. You know, and yes. he like connects to the people on the bus and he realizes like, oh, this is such a special job where I get to take people from one location to another. I get to be out in the open road. It's all freedom. I'm not like I'm not constrained by like other people's opinions of me. You know what I mean? Like that could have yes. been like an opportunity for him to realize like a career change. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's like, you know, it's like, where are we going next? It's your call. And he's like, I get to decide. It's my like that. call. Like, That's funny. <laughs> I love you that. Know, it's like, you could have gone anywhere with this, but it feels like they didn't even try. They just were like, here's his funny origin story, which right. it is, it's funny. But then after that, it's like, here's all his like random events that happened to him. Still funny, but totally disconnected yeah, yeah. And, and just random. I think he's pretty uh, emblematic of like the, the problem with all the characters in this movie and that they all are so similar, you know? Yeah. And that like, exactly what you've been saying, like they don't, they don't expand on themselves at all. They don't use their character their character traits to help advance their own things, right? That would have been so much... That's, that's what makes those character-driven stories so interesting is it's so obvious to you, the audience, what the logical thing to do is, but it's not obvious what the character is going to do because when they're in that situation, they see it completely differently and they're like, wait, I'm going to do this other things. I think I'm smarter than the logical reason, you know, and then yes. they end up screwing themselves and it's hysterical for that reason. So like, yeah, I wish there'd been way more of that. Instead, it's just like, you know, take this opportunity or like, oh, we're going to do this. The whole thing where he steals the, <laughs> when he steals the clothes from the bus driver is so funny. Or he's, yeah, like, well, <laughs> he's like, I need, I need your pants and your hat. <laughs> <laughs> I, which is funny but again it's like any but, yeah, character can about, exactly exactly it's nothing about and, him being a referee or being a certain type of person that means that that's better or worse you know yeah and i'm not this isn't to say that cuba gooding jr didn't do a good job but it's it like he was funny but the character himself the only line i can really draw from like his origin to the end was he blew the call in the cowboys game and he ends up riding a horse later mm. but that's just that feels like a reach because they didn't even really reference it you know he's not like now I'm a cowboy or anything. Like it's just <laughs> <laughs> Who's the Cowboys now? Never read yeah. it. Have you? <laughs> or like or the fact that like maybe that's how he can undo his notoriety because Cowboys fans hate him and then he eventually becomes a real cowboy. You know, like that could be again, like the they should why am I not in the writer's room? These people are <laughs> easy layups here. Um 
so I just yeah that was I, that was my problem with that. I do want to bring up kind of a, a, a tr- bit of trivia. That coin flip scene was filmed in uh, Calgary, Alberta, which is in Canada, uh, and the scene was actually done at a CFL game hosted by the Calgary Stampeders and their opponents. So when they filmed that scene, the actors put on the Dallas Cowboys uniforms, and you'll uh. see that across from them, because you know how they do the coin flip and both teams are standing there. The guys on the other side are the Calgary Stampeders. I, I'm a big NFL fan. I recognize jerseys. Those jerseys are not in the NFL. Cool. And then I looked up the Stampeders. is their jerseys. And you can tell they're not really, like the camera focuses on the Cowboys, um, but you can see them kind of on the periphery. So I thought that was cool. It was like an interesting choice. Yeah. And apparently a lot of this movie was filmed in Canada, not New Mexico. Hmm. Um, but anyways, okay. Last team team here is still one person. Mr. Bean, the wild card. Well, he's not Mr. You Bean. You got to have a wild card. He's uh, Enrico Pellini. Yes, but he's Mr. Bean. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're right. Enrico. Um, he's the wild card, right? Which is a great, you got to throw in a wild card. He's definitely different from the other characters. And having him sleep through the first part of the movie, I thought was really funny. And then having him come back at the end to fall asleep right when he's like yeah, supposedly yeah. going to win. And the sleeping actually really does good. like indirectly benefit him. Because because of that, he he meets up with Newman. Um, yes. Wayne Knight. And he doesn't character. go to the airport, which was nobody succeeded right, right. from but going to Wayne the airport. Right, but Wayne Knight is only going to New Mexico because the planes are grounded. So that like too. if okay. he because he, he was delayed that much amount of time because he slept he actually ended up closer than anybody else which I right. thought was clever. Yeah, and I thought that having um, Wayne Knight with Newman from Seinfeld <laughs> and Mr. Bean they're a great comedic duo. Even though I felt like the heart gag was just too dragged out, <laughs> like it was it was funny, but I guess I'm just too grounded in reality where I'm like. You just threw it out the window. I don't think they can use that heart anymore. You know, as soon as like, oh my god, like I thought I was, as I was watching. I was like, this is like this movie is all about how weird people are. You know, like he's driving the ambulance and he's like, "Do you want to see it? Do you want to see the heart?" He's like, "No, I would never want to do that." That was pretty funny. I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just thought that gag dragged on too long, and then oh it just got to peak absurdity when. Mr. Bean jumps on a fully moving train. <laughs> a speeding bullet train, yeah. You could have been like, this is, he died. <laughs> like, you could have said that. And, like, it wouldn't have been, like, it would have been the obvious thing to say after him, do, after he did that. Um, but, the, you know, that's not what happens. He's just on the train. And yeah. then he makes it there. Like, his storyline, I felt like, was kind of just an afterthought. And then was it, what we saw wasn't really all that good. Uh, so I felt like it was kind of wasted potential. He was funny and bizarre, which is what he's great at, but it's just okay. Well, he's the one who doesn't need development, really, because he's already so strange. Like you said, he's the wild card, you know? But right. what's also interesting about him is you don't really want to see him win either, you know? Right. The, the only reason why you would want to see him win is so that everyone else loses. Yes, you know? yes. Like, because so everyone else is disappointed because this buffoon made it there before everyone else did. But, like, yeah. you don't actually care if he gets it or not you know because he he's such a fool and he doesn't it's not even clear that he knows what's going on um because he's like it's a race but he's like he seems to just be excited to be part of things he doesn't actually seem to care about winning three million dollars at all you know yeah but like none of the characters express like what would i do with two million dollars you know like you never see like the hopes and dreams kind of aspect of it or like the disappointment that they feel when they don't get the money Um, exactly and uh but like 
and to have him make that absent for Enrico Pellini's character or or, or Ronan Atkinson's character um, is appropriate, but to do it for everyone else just kind of lends it to more disappointment, I guess. True. I just I don't know. I felt like one of the best things about his character Enrico is the way that he interacts with normal people in the contrast between him and you know for lack of a better word normies yes and then he spends basically the whole time isolated with wayne knight and again he's funny but it just feels like wasted potential because wayne knight's a weird guy too so they're just both weird together that's <laughs> normal so anyway yeah you're absolutely right it's the and contrast we, I, that makes it good and you don't, right. he's by himself the whole movie yeah so i think um that all that, that kind of summarizes how I feel about all the different teams. There's a lot of potential here. Just like when I saw the, uh, the you know, the actual art for this movie. The, Just the like poster, you saw your first like, jib jab? Yeah. Like, there's a lot, a lot of potential here. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I said. And um, I just feel like they kind of missed the mark. Again, it, it's clear it's not what they were going for. So that's, I think it's just a difference of what was, uh, what the goal was in this movie. But uh, I would love to remake Rat Race and do the, uh, you know, the brutal capitalist version. Uh, well, even have just have, have your characters, even have more twists along the way, you know, make the race a little bit more compelling. I was also kind of disappointed that the race was so simple that it was just from one city to another. It wasn't even across the country, you know? Uh, yeah. It was yeah, just come on. like, if they hadn't sabotaged the plane, whoever flew there fastest would probably get there. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it could have been way more like elaborate and set up, it, but as is, it was real simple, you know? So it would be interesting to see like, if you, if you had a remake of this movie, make a soft reboot where John Cleese is still doing this, but he's been doing it every year for like 20 years. Oh, you know what I mean? And I'd like, watch that. And it's like developed this whole culture around it. Rat race, total mayhem. Rat or? race 2020. Yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. That is such a soft reboot. See, that's that's what we need. Don't remake movies that were already good. Yeah. Although this movie was commercially successful. Remake movies that just missed the mark and make them better. Uh, but anyways, that, I'm, I, I like that exercise. I think that was productive. Um, I, I feel like I like the characters more now, even though <laughs> the, it's the characters we've kind of made up. But anyways, okay, let's talk cool Easter eggs. Uh, and the first one I have is Vince Veluff is what we're saying that his last name is uh he plays blaine cody the one with the piercing in his mouth you'll notice he doesn't appear on the film's poster or any promotional material even though he's one of the main characters and this is due to an agent uh who tried to secure star billing and failed <laughs> damn and, that's so uh, brutal and, and valif has since fired the agent and that's like especially because i love the promotional material for this movie so much it is what a crime like oh your agent God. totally screws you there yeah he's like oh yeah like I guess the the negotiation was like I want better like I want a better place for my client or else or else kind of thing. And they're yeah. like, Well, we'll just leave him off the poster then. <laughs> yeah, he's not Whoopi Goldberg. He's not Seth Green. He's <laughs> yeah. not Mr. Bean. That's right. We don't need him to sell we don't need him to sell uh movie tickets. Uh and then the other cool Easter egg I have is something that Amazon told me while I was watching the scene where they break the land speed record. And Amazon says that um 
the bullet hovering next to them when they're going the same speed, which hilarious. I loved Whoopi's reaction. She's like, oh. It's so, uh, I love that stuff. It's so funny. Just like the total disregard for physics is so amazing because like them just like, oh, the bullet's ne- like the guy shoots the gun or whatever. And then the bullet is right next to them, like in the car and everything. Like, how is it? Yes. How would that line up? How are they so close to it? It doesn't matter. It's just like, they just take everything and make it so like absurd. To, it's just, it's really fun. Yeah, and like I think you said it really well earlier, saying that like the art style of the intro uh, credits really sets up the physics in this movie because they're like, this is going to be like a cartoon, yeah, but with real people, and I think that that is exactly what they deliver uh, as far as like the the physical comedy. But um, Amazon wanted to remind us that that scene actually defies the laws of physics because what? even if the bullet, <laughs> even if the are bullet- you telling me a hot air balloon couldn't lift a cow? <laughs> the um <laughs> the even though even if the bullet was traveling in the exact same direction and same speed as that vehicle at the same time the bullet would only stay in the air for the same amount of time that it would take for you to drop a bullet from the same height so th- like like they said that scene defies the laws of physics you ever see to that? that i say thank you amazon for that <laughs> physics lesson you ever see that uh that episode of mythbusters where they do this no, no. it's really amazing they so they they rig up this thing where they shoot a gun and drop a bullet at the same time to see if they'll fall, if they'll hit the ground at the same time, which they they end up doing. It takes them a, like a long time to get it set up. They get it within like they don't get it exactly perfect, but it's within like three milliseconds or something. Like it's really really close. And it, it was be, like they said some of the problem was like because they were holding the bullet with a magnet or something. Some uh, electromagnet some magnetic residue or something like there's a little bit of delay between the uh the the destruction of the magnetic field and the actual release of the of the like the magnetism so like it just it would fall just a slightly bit smaller slower it was really cool like they set up in a big warehouse where they actually like shot the gun from one end and then had the bullet next to it so they could see it both at the same time it was really awesome it's it's one of those things where seeing it would help you believe it because you know in your mind you're like no way a bullet goes straight <laughs> you know and also yeah. you got to think maybe there's some sort of uh, lift that comes from flying through the air that quickly so um, well they, I do it doesn't because th- there's no fins on the bullet the bullet is not doesn't have ridges or anything in it there's nothing to catch the air um, it's just you know it's gravity pulling it down and then um, what's the other thing that I was just thinking of um, I can't remember. Not important. Well, I, I just remember this kind of question being asked in my physical science class in high school. And it was always a trick question. They right. would have you a question where it's like, this ball gets dropped from this height, you know, and f- do the physics equation. And then w- now this ball is from the same height, but it's shot in this direction. And people are like, oh, man, I got to figure out. And it's like, <laughs> no, it's the same answer. Yeah. It's the same answer. It's a, you lay up. But anyways, um, I thought Amazon keeping my you know physical science class lessons fresh in my mind so thank you for that jeff bezos and that's all i've got for easter eggs um okay Uh, great those are great easter eggs i got i want to comment on the songs um there's a couple of notable songs in this movie including who let the dogs out sung by the baja man and who 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 and (laughs) thank you (laughs) Uh, and All Star by Smash Mouth, which is sung as like the ending anthem when everyone's dancing around on stage and then jumping into the crowd. Uh, but there's they have its own its own like theme song for this movie that was written. I, I think it's performed by the Baja Men because they actually say their name in it. Um, and one of the quotes from the song is, "Life is nothing but a slap in the face. Life is nothing but a fat rat race." Um, 
And what I thought was what I was interesting about this is like I sensed it up because kind of like like you were like you've been saying you wish this movie was. It's kind of this dark idea of like, oh, like life is nothing. Like all you got is like this you 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 spin around and run as fast as you can through this race and then you die. Like you it's just a race to the grave kind of thing. Uh, and, and there and doesn't nothing matters. Um but that's not really what you see throughout the movie. And then at the end you kind of get a couple of things that kind of reinforce this theme of like togetherness or like everyone's kind of working toward the same goal. And one of them is that like crowd surfing obviously takes like trust in your fellow man, but also like a bunch of people working together for something, even though it's silly. Um, and so that's kind of emblematic of that. But also at the end, they have a choir version of this song, which I thought was like, like kind of a, it was appropriate in a way because it shows like for it starts off with a single person singing it and at the end there's multiple sing people singing it and now it's like oh we're all singing the same song together you know maybe we all believe that night life is nothing but a fat rat race but maybe it's better because we're all in it together yeah okay and, and that kind of defeats the rat race right it's yeah. like we're all doing this but if we're all conscious of it and we all kind of agree that it's kind of ridiculous then maybe we can overcome it and yeah maybe if we maybe if we're all maybe if we don't put each other against each other you know maybe if, if it's not so much a race as much as it is like a you know a, something we're moving together like a walk or something you know a movement yeah uh, yeah i mean it would have been <laughs> yeah i i'm trying to revise the the script further but i'll, I'll restrain myself um i just think it would have been cool if the decision at the end to donate the money was less forced on them um but that would, you know, that's like, part of it too is the societal pressure of it you know like that's yes. the reason why people do stuff like that is not just because they're on stage with smash mouth but because they feel this pressure to do it because it's it, like they know it's the right thing to do or they they know it's going to benefit people more than it's going to benefit themselves you know right but it, maybe if you could position it as like a either we get this money or we give it away plus a bunch of john cleese's money like just like th that would be like a binary and mm. there's no outward forces who are telling them to do it or not and they don't get notoriety off of it like it would still be john cleese's giant donation um, i don't know exactly how you'd set that up but you know you know what i'm saying like it does kind of seem like they would have just taken the money if they didn't have the societal pressure. Absolutely. Um, but that's part of it, though. That's part of this. That's like the that's that's what you're saying. It's how you defeat the rat race in a way is you have these you 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 have these collective goods that you participate in, you know, and the reason why they exist is because you feel this need to help other people. And and maybe that's like, oh, like I'll be I'll be ostracized if I don't. But that's kind of part of it too you know because it's like yeah it, okay you got you got both sides of it of like oh you'll be revered but also you'll you'll be kind of punished in a way and like no one's gonna you know no one's gonna really like hunt you down i guess because you didn't give up your portion of the money but you'll still feel like people didn't like you or like you did the wrong thing in a way it's it's i think that carrot and yeah. stick relationship exists in real life and also works for the betterment of people. I don't think that's necessarily evil in a way. Yeah, no, I, I think that's true, especially because of what this movie is and not this fictional or this extra script edit version we're writing. Yeah. Um, but um, I don't know, like especially if the characters had all been pitted against each other and throughout their escapades eventually decide to unite versus John Cleese uh, and then have that same kind of decision to make. Which where they like, say they, they do in the bus, right? Cuba Gooding right. Jr. says, we all decided in the bus we're going to do this, but like, I love off-screen conversations. I love off-screen changes to everyone's <laughs> motivations. Amazing. Uh, yeah, and I also thought the the uh, the the like um, 
oh, John Cleese is going to match all the money that's raised today was was kind of a weak thing too. Like it's a way to up up the happy ending of the movie. Yes, but it was yes. it was really kind of forced and like very tacked on. I thought so. Right. Um, it was fun to see him kind of squirm though. It's like oh, yeah, this is an overflow of good feelings at the end. Yeah, it was well, that's just what happy ending went right. So yeah. Okay, Joey. I believe you know what time it is. It is time for us to go a little deeper. deeper, deeper. So this movie is about a rich guy pitting some normal people against each other for their own amusement and financial gain. Well, that sounds sort of familiar to me. I found some <laughs> examples of this happening in real life. Um, I don't know if you remember, but uh, back in the financial crisis, they had these things called CDOs, and I've seen the Big Short, but it's been a long time, and I don't. I, it's it's complicated. I don't know if I can explain it that well. But well, and, and you're saying the financial crisis, as in the 2008 yes, um, yes. Uh, re great, recession, great recession, because yes. some people might think, oh, I remember the financial crisis. You mean the one we're in right now? Yeah, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, I, I know. Great correction. I definitely need yeah. that. Um, <laughs> the uh, yes, yeah, so the, the Great Recession back in two thousand eight. So they had the. This is uh, about the mortgage crisis and the people giving out bad subprime loans and, and stuff. There's this thing called CDOs. Basically, the best way I can I can I understand them is they're like they're like uh, bundles of risky. Uh, this is what NPR says: uh, complicated and risky financial securities. Um, and it's mostly made up uh, of mortgage like investments on mortgages. So it's kind of like a bet on whether these mortgages are going to get paid off. But the people that were issuing these CDOs also could pull out bets on them and were hoping that they would fail. They were sort of like, they would take like insurance bets on these CDOs and then, uh, um, and then I hope that they would fail. And basically, they had all, all this incentive to make these things as risky as possible, hoping that they would kind of collapse. And that's kind of a good way to think about it because it's kind of like this, this bundle of, of, of uh, like kind of bets or like not bets, but like um, loans and like debts and like, uh, like uh, equity bundles. And if one of them collapses or a bunch of them collapse, then the whole thing starts to crumble around it. And then pe like people pull out, right? And then it just kind of falls apart. So collapse is kind of like a card house. It's sort of the way to think about it. But what these did was it, it incentivized all of these big banks that were backing these CDOs to um, bet against them um, or make them as risky as possible, which they were made up of normal people's mortgages. So they were these rich people rich like institutions not just people were um betting that people would fail in order to make money off of them and and by fail you mean fail to make their housing payments and get evicted exactly um and, and like this was this was only one factor obviously in the in the whole thing but it was a contributing factor in the collapse of the housing market and the re rate recession um and uh it, yeah it's, it's kind of based on that there's there's yeah. there's also the story that Politico uh, wrote about in 2012 about Freddie Mac, which was the the government's um, housing like subsidy um, program uh, that they I think it was I think it was a private company that was uh, controlled by the government eventually publicized. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the history is, but basically, Freddie Mac uh, was taking uh, its like the money it was using to that was supposed to be helping um, 
like uh, was supposed to be helping people pay off their mortgages and was using it to to bet on uh investments that were in direct contrast to people paying off their mortgages and actually had higher interest rates than like outs than uh, like regular or like market mortgages um in order to build up their bank so that they could bet more they had five billion dollars on in investments um that were in contradiction to people paying off their mortgages like they those investments only came to fruition or only did well when people didn't pay off their mortgages um i don't i, I they didn't say exactly what those like what those investments were exactly but it was pretty clear that they had, like that they had two different sections of the business going of freddie mac going one of them that was helping people pay off their mortgages and one of them was that was betting that they wouldn't and it wasn't clear whether these two knew about each other or were working in concert but it's like it's very like it was very incentivized that one would not work with the other and i don't know if freddie mac is still around or not but it's certainly not it was certainly not good that they were doing this and after they broke this npr and uh politico broke this story uh, they followed up a couple months later saying that they were still doing this and they still had tons and tons of money in it. Um, yeah, it was crazy. So yeah, uh, here's some examples of real life of people uh, betting against uh, people paying off or, or being being financially successful. Um, yeah, especially and, when yeah. it's people who are already well off just looking to add to their wealth versus people who are just trying to live in a house. Yes, and, the, <laughs> and they had this awful story about this, this couple that bought a house um, before they sold their old house, planning to move into that new house. But it was during the financial crisis and they, uh, and they couldn't sell their old house. And then they were paying a mortgage on both and drained all of their savings, trying to pay off both houses because they couldn't sell either one. It was crazy. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, so there you go. Rat race. <laughs> it is, yeah. And that's, again, just to say it one more time, that's kind of what I was hoping for, was something that was more of like a critique of the brutality of capitalism and ended up being lighthearded fun uh, with a good message I had, still. I had I a great time watching this movie. I thought it was fun. I was surprised how much I liked it. I'm glad. I was really surprised to hear that, and I'm glad that's how you felt. I think I definitely let my expectations get ahead of me. Um, I did enjoy this movie, but I couldn't shake that feeling of like, what? Couldn't this movie be I, more? Like, we've been dealing with such, like, dark things. I mean, not just in the real world, but even on this show. Just, like, dealing with, like, really depressing... It isn't necessarily real, but it is fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. You get to watch all the Lucys on a bus with Cuba Gooding Jr. I mean, you can't beat it. Um, okay. So, I think it is time to do what we do at the end of every episode and deliver our ratings... Um, and I am going to go first. I'm going to give this movie four tickets to see David Copperfield live on the Vegas Strip. Oh, nice. Very nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I give this movie 573.3 miles, which is the distance by road from uh, Las Vegas to Silver City, New Mexico. Ah, fantastic. And um, Joey, what's next on Affable Chat? Next movie we're doing is Beetlejuice. Yes. Because it's the spooky season. That is right, and I have never seen Beetlejuice. I've, it's one of those, yeah, it's one of those ones Joey shakes his head in <laughs> you know, surprise and maybe some disgust. Well, we've seen Birdman, so it's basically that, but Michael Keaton's in makeup the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll find out on the next episode of Affable Chat. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And wherever you listen to us, make sure you leave us a review. It does help us grow. You can reach us on Twitter, 
Instagram, and TikTok at AffableChat on all of those platforms. And you can send us an email, affablechat at gmail.com. We also have a YouTube channel. It's called Affable Chat. And Affable Chat is live on Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we have this thing. It's called Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Affable Chat. <laughs> I thought you were going to make it through that whole thing without making a, we've got this thing <laughs> reference, but nope, not this time. <laughs> and uh, that is going to do it for this episode. Um, don't forget, we're live on Twitch. <laughs> um, for Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening.